this summer grand carnival is taking over Kings Island from June 15th to July 7th. Experience the opening ceremony every afternoon when the park erupts with sights, sounds, and flavors from around the world. Be surrounded by the spectacle of color, a dazzling parade that sweeps across the park at twilight and showers guests with beads. And enjoy unique food, drinks, and live music at the huge grand carnival street party all night. Don't miss the celebration as big as the park. Get the best deal on tickets at visitkingsisland.com. It's amazing in here. Right now, you can get both Sprint's Unlimited plan and the iPhone XR with its amazing camera included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after monthly credit supplied within two bills. If canceled early, remaining balance due. Unlimited basic after 63020, pay $32 a month per line with AutoPay. Data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. For listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. And yes, you'll never walk alone. You know the game, I'm Michael Fai, Jake Wachoba. Join me, boys. You'll never walk alone. You'll Sound. That's going to sound, sound so bad. We'll keep it listening back to it. <laughs> uh, listeners, Uncle Sam Soccer Podcast. Yes, we're going to begin off with the Champions League. Before we get to that, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to the podcast. You'll never walk alone with us in your pocket. So do that. Follow us on Twitter machine at Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. And go back and listen to our World Cup preview. It's fantastic. Yahoo Sports. Henry Bushnell joins us. And fellas, yes, You'll Never Walk Alone was belted at every sports bar with Liverpool supporters in the entire world after they took down Tottenham 2-0 in the Champions League final. And I I do want to begin there because that game sucked. I was appalled. I was, as a sports fan, as somebody who dedicated not just two hours to the game, but multiple hours because I had to get to the pub early so I can get a table. I was offended by just the lack of commitment from Tottenham to this final. I don't know what they were doing. Can somebody explain to me how Lucas Mora, who was arguably the most influential player in Tottenham's run to the Champions League final, was left on the bench? How Pochettino did not make a change after halftime? Can somebody explain to me how there was no pressing at the last 15 minutes it seemed like Tottenham were just happy to be patient can somebody explain to me how we got 
three weeks off before this game was played. That had a huge effect on this final. None of these teams were playing regularly. Yeah, they got the rest, but there was no rhythm to the game. I was appalled, offended, most forgettable game. Offended? Wow. Yes, I was offended by this game. And all the Liverpool supporters, yeah, tweet at me. This game sucked. You were the less, you were the better of the two trashes on the field in Madrid. I would use a different word there, but we're a family-friendly show. That was a bad final. That was a really bad final. And when I saw that uh, Lucas Moore was left off the starting 11, that was a big head-scratcher for me. I mean, hasn't Harry Kane missed damn near half of the season with an ankle injury? Or at least the last several months. Right. I mean, he didn't play in in, in the, the, the two-legged uh, match or matches against Ajax. I don't believe he played in the Premier League season, and at least towards like maybe the last couple of matches, but Tottenham wasn't playing very well. Um, so listeners, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Uh, did Harry Kane play at all in the latter half of the Premier League season? But I didn't understand what what uh, why, why Mora was left off the bench. And another thing, too, how bad was that handball in the first 30 seconds of the match? I thought it was weird, but I mean, I don't know if VAR can... I don't know. I guess if you're VAR... Like, was it clear and obvious? It hit him in the chest and then rolled over to his arm, which was extended out because I he was thought it was pointing. harsh. I thought it was very harsh for the first 30 seconds of the game. Did, oh, and it, it, it completely changed the the dynamic of the game right then and there. I mean, think think if, if that handball is never called, think of how much more differently Liverpool sets up to play that match from there on out. Up until halftime, Liverpool were okay. I mean, at the end of the day, look at the possession stats. Tottenham dominated Liverpool in possession. Meant nothing. But uh, I I think that handball, that penalty, completely changed the dynamic of Liverpool. Because Liverpool did not play well that first half. Tell me what chances they actually created. When were the goalkeepers actually challenged? They were never that... They, they were never challenged. Yeah, Lloris made a save... There was a shot on goal, but neither keeper was really challenged until the last, what, 20 minutes? When Tottenham began to crank it up? They should have cranked it up after halftime. It's you like think, they, they got to the final third and they realized that they were playing, uh, they forgot they were playing a Champions League final. Do you think that the teams knowing each other a lot played a role in that? Maybe. Like, I think the real decisive difference is Tottenham have no experience playing a final. None of the players there have experience, true experience of what it means and what it takes to play a final. Liverpool clearly learned from last year. They got the goal. They they tried to make sure that nothing would come their way. They settled down. They they did not get exposed. Yeah, I thought the I thought it was boring. Boring game. But, but people are gonna say it's defensive masterclass. Nah, nah it's like it's like it's like a Super Bowl. Everyone calls it Super Bowl like a defensive masterclass. It's it it was two teams. Afraid to make a mistake. That's what it was. Well, one team did make a mistake. <laughs> 24 yeah. seconds into the match or 34 <laughs> seconds into the match. I, I, it's hard It's hard for me to see how that was a handball. I don't know. It's hard for me to say that Tottenham made a mistake there. Sure, should your arm be ex- extended out that far? Probably not. It, what do you think he was pointing to? Because he, he clearly was pointing at something. There must have been a player. I, I mean, I, I'd have to see the that whole play develop again, but there must've been a player making a run either yeah. in, in, that he saw out of the corner of his eye and he was pointing. I mean, that that's the only thing I can think of, but like 
that that is such a that is such a bad call i think right there it's it is what it is it is what it is boring match congratulations liverpool and let's talk about the sound bit that a lot of us just laughed out loud when we heard of it a couple of people who can tell you yeah but you didn't win so and now let's talk about six baby let's talk about you and me let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be let's talk about six fellas Jurgen Klopp is my favorite manager he's the best manager in the world there's simply nobody like him you're on that hype train with me now that he's the best manager in the world I uh, top two I'm I have I have to be convinced that he's number one above Pep. But, I mean, come on. Let's talk about six. Like, where, where does that come from? Where in Yurgum's mind does he think, like, yes, this is... He looks at the time, and he's like, oh, the children are in bed, and then he swears. Like, he, he clearly knows who he's, his audience is, his persona, how people view him as. I mean... Armand, was it you that sent me the vi- or sent us the video of of the fake Jurgen Klopp in the streets of Madrid getting mobbed? Oh, that was me. That, that was, was me. Jake. That was Jake. Don't give me that much credit. He's he's an entertainer, man. You know. Oh yes, he is. He's a, he's a man of the people. He's a man of the people. Man of the people. Anyway, that's our Champions League talk. Congratulations, Liverpool on six. Listeners, let's move it on because we haven't even introduced question of the day. Tweet us at UncSamSoccerPod, and that is. Who has more pressure to win this upcoming summer? The U.S. men's national team or the U.S. women's national team? And Armand, what would be worse if either team fails to win it? I would say it happened to women not not winning the World Cup. I think that be I think that would be worse. Look, the men they obviously still have you know challenges with Mexico. And they're still kind of developing, but this is the grandest stage for the women. They like this is like their, this is like their dreams. It's like what they work for day in and day out. And if you don't win that, like I think I think there's a much more pressure to win that versus a gold cup because then people can just fall back and say, oh, it's a gold cup. Uh, I mean, you know, whatever. But if it's a, for in that World Cup, it's a World Cup. Look look at look at the U.S. national team not making the World Cup and how bad that was. How bad it still is. I think there's a lot more pressure on a World Cup event rather than a uh, continental or yeah continental title. I agree with Armand. I think all the pressure, or there is more pressure, I should say, on the women to win the World Cup than the men to win the Gold Cup. I mean, you can look and say uh, the men are probably set up to reach the final, and you'd be pretty hard pressed to find anybody that really thinks this U.S. men's national team is currently better than Mexico. A final loss to Mexico is probably an easier pill to swallow than if the women who uh, look like they could be heading towards a clash with the host nation France in the quarterfinals, if they were to fall there to uh, a a French team that might be the the next favorite behind the U.S., I think that would be a a much bigger disappointment than the the men failing to win the, the gold cup. Guys, I I have a hard time discussing this because if the U.S. play France in the quarterfinals and they lose and France wins the World Cup and it goes to penalties or something like that, you think it's really worse than the U.S. crashing out in the semifinals of the Gold Cup? Yes, the stage is bigger. It's a World Cup. It's not a Gold Cup. 
look, if the U.S. loses in the Gold Cup in the Gold Cup semifinal, we can always fall back and say, all right, the Peralta's learning international system, whatever. Um, the player pool isn't isn't as good, whatever. I don't know. You, you can make excuses for that, but it's a World Cup. You can't make an excuse for like failing to make a failing to win a World Cup or reaching expectations for women's national team to win a World Cup. And plus, this country needs women's soccer to succeed, right? For at least the NWSL, like they need the women's national team to perform well at this World Cup because without them, the NWSL usually and MLS as well gets a boost from these World Cups. If the women win the World Cup, it's going to inspire a generation to continue to play and, you know, get involved. Hopefully, you see that Nike ad? NWSL. Yeah, you see that Nike is beautiful. Fantastic. Beautiful. Really well done. And I, the NWSL, I think, needs it a little bit. And if they win it, maybe the popularity of women's soccer goes up, maybe for the good. There's a lot more pressure on them than winning a Is there really more pressure on the U.S. women's, though? Because there's an expectation... But I don't sense that the public is really crying out, or at least the soccer writers are really crying out with the women's team because they're expected to win it. With the men's team, I think there's more pressure because it's kind of like, where the hell have you been the last half decade? Where's the progress with this national team? And everyone's like, all the writers are patient, patient, patient. But at least on soccer Twitter, there's there there is a sense of, I have no idea what's happening with this men's national team. With the women's... Yeah, there's a discussion to be made whether the world is catching up with the the Americans. You're talking about domestic league, but come on, the national team has been dominant for the last decade. Yeah, they had the the bleep show at the the Olympics, but there's an expectation, and there's a difference between expectations and pressure. And I think both camps, the U.S. women's and the U.S. men's, are in different circumstances. Guys, let's keep in mind that. The men aren't even the favorites in their own region of the world, whereas the women <laughs> are the favorites yeah. in the world. Yeah. So I think you can say that there is pressure uh, or pressure comes with expectations. The women are expected to perform and expected to win the World Cup. The men are not expected to win the Gold Cup this summer with those expectations that are placed on the women. If we get into the knockout rounds and the women, for some reason, fall behind in a game, they're going to be in the pressure cooker. That pressure is really going to turn up on them because, hey, we're, we're supposed to win this match, and we're losing. So I, I, I think to say that expectations are different than, than pressure, I think there's a, a, a an S-load of pressure on the women to perform, especially given the things that have been going on in the news with them. I mean, you can say it rightly or wrongly, I, I think those things matter in, in the public eye. Jake, I think the U.S. women's national team are like the New England Patriots. There is an expectation to be always at... a Patriots comparison. Wait, somewhere, wait, wait. somewhere. Yeah, oh this is a good God. one, though. The U.S. women's national team is expected to be at the at the very, very least in the semifinals, just like the Patriots with the AFC Conference Championship game. There's an expectation to be there. But the pressure doesn't start until the knockout phase for the U.S. or maybe even past that, starting with the, the quarterfinals. But the U.S. men's national team, would any of us be surprised if they drop a group game match? No, but they're also... Both, the, the men and the women are graded on two different scales. The women have been, like you said, with the Patriots, the women are expected to win every tournament they're in. 
the men are just expected to when it's on the win a world couple stage, of games and move on. It, get, get up, in the World Cup, they're just expected to get out of the group, maybe win a maybe maybe win the round of sixteen. You know that'd be great, right? Whereas the women is dominate the group trophy and get we, we win that trophy. How we measure success for the men and how we measure success for the women are on two different, two completely different scales. So it's hard to compare the two. No, you're not wrong. And just remember, listeners, in 2011, U.S. lost to Japan. They came back, rebound in 2015 to beat Japan in the World Cup. Go back, listen to our World Cup preview. It was fantastic. Some great insight there. And question of the day for today's show. Who has more pressure to win this summer? U.S. women's national team or the U.S. men's national team? Two different tournaments, two different world stages. Anyway, guys, let's move on and talk about the Gold Cup in which... There's a roster out for the Jamaica friendly. And Armand, let's just give it to you. Give us some pointers with this roster and just overall sum it up with what Greg Berhalter is thinking here. Right. So Greg Berhalter, I mean, as of now, he just updated, has named a 29-man roster for the Jamaica match. This is not the official Gold Cup roster, but you can take some uh, analysis out of it. I think it's 21 or 22 man roster for the gold cup. Um, obviously when we look at this lap. The first thing that kind of pops up is no Pulisic or Tyler Adams. They will join the roster for the gold cup. They're not going to be for this USA Jamaica friendly. Uh, Ethan Horvath, the goalkeeper from club Bruges is also injured, which allows an opportunity for Tyler Miller to step up and be that third keeper. I mean, looking through the lineup, uh, there's a player, Jackson Yule, who's performed very well for the San Jose Earthquakes in the midfield, not be Gold Cup eligible. So just because his name on the roster doesn't mean that he can make the Gold Cup. Um, some notable names, I'm um, starting from defense, you see Omar Gonzalez get the call up, Aaron Long, Matt Miazga, Anthony Robinson. Uh, in, in, interesting name right there in the midfield. Michael Bradley, Dwayne Holmes from Darby County, Jordy Mahalovic, Weston McKinney, Will Trapp. And then forwards, obviously, you see the Josie outdoors with Jonathan Ammons. Tyler Boyd, we talked about him with Doug McIntyre uh, last week, and he's made, he's made the roster. Jordan Morris, Josh Sargent, Josh Sargent. These are some names for their friendliest Jamaica uh, on June 5th at Audi Field in D.C. They also have one more friendly after that uh, on June 9th, that Sunday, at 1 p.m. at Nippert Stadium against Venezuela as well. Guys, I know you guys have just glanced at the roster, but was there any player that you saw that you're kind of surprised I got a call up? For for me, it's Joe, and I don't even know how to say his last name. Wow, wow, yeah, wow. Let's go with that. I, I mean, where where is this guy even playing? <laughs> I, honestly, he was on a little bit. I remember what that. level? What level? Uh, MSV Duisburg. I don't even know how to if I even said that right. <laughs> What level of German football is that even? I, I'm literally looking this up as I'm as I'm talking right now. But I mean, come on, I get it. This kid was a a, a big prospect for the for the U.S. a few years ago. But what has he done? What has he done to to deserve this call up? Why? I mean, I I, I don't know. I guess. I guess it's nice to see a new name. I guess it's better than Julian Green, right? That was kind of the thing with Dave Sarakin. It was calling up Julian Green constantly. But Joe Yao over uh, Christian Ramirez? 
Yeah, he's a Joe Guao is currently playing in the third division of Germany with Duisburg. I mean, come on, does that? There, I mean, <laughs> that's that's that's, that's I can't I can't because it's hard for me to look to think of the third division of German soccer and then look at someone like Christian Ramirez, who's been one of the better goal scorers in MLS and in NASL for the last three to four years, and think that Joe. Joe Giao, whatever the, I can't even say his last name, Gao, there's a call up over him. It, it it makes no sense to me. Steven, what about you? I, I think Omar can, well, not really surprises. It It is what it is. It's a friendly, you might just want to grab some names and, and bring them forward to see what they can showcase. This is an excellent match to do it. I think Omar Gonzalez is a, an interesting name just because it's like he's a veteran. And what is he going to do for the young kids? Is he going to bring them forward? Is he even going to get playing time? Because if you're Greg Berhalter, I don't know if this is the match you necessarily try to tinker with your defense. I think you go out there and and you really put together the players that you think, at least offensively, are going to star in the Gold Cup. Because I I think the the midfield the forward the forward play is a question mark midfield is solid but defensively he's been tinkering around with it for the last six months. Armand, correct me if I'm wrong. Has Omar Gonzalez really been part of his plans? I think yeah. I mean he did he did perform and play in the friendlies as well. Their most recent friendlies in Chile. I can't remember the opponent before that. But he was, and it was a little bit of a surprise to see that as well. Look, it seems like Greg is kind of falling back on some of these older players, right? Uh, Omar Gonzalez uh, being one of those guys in the center back pool to get the call. I wonder if John Brooks, if he was healthy, if he would get the call over Omar Gonzalez. I think that's an ultimate question. They're also dealing with injuries as well. I'm not sure if Gonzalez is his first choice guy, but... I mean, it might it might be his main guy. I would love to see a Miazga Long back pairing, but I don't think we're gonna see that, especially Long recovering from his injury uh, right now. I, mean, I agree. I mean, Omar Gonzalez is kind of an interesting name. It's kind of some old guard still being in there. And unlike Michael Bradley, I'm not sure if Omar Gonzalez will have a role in the 2022 World Cup uh, cycle. I'm I not sure. I don't. Think I don't think so either. Because I, Bradley, I think Bradley, you can make it. Well, okay, he was the captain. Come off the bench. Yeah, and he could come off the bench. And provide a spark or be that guy. But I don't know if Gonzalez can really, if he's really, you know, if he can do that. To, well, well, how often how often do you necessarily pen a, a center back as that guy to come off the bench? Right, exactly, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, Mexico, like Rafa Marquez, right? Like, I think Bradley can beat that Rafa Marquez uh, for the United States. Well, ironically, uh, Rafa Marquez is a center back. Yep. The other thing that we talked about in our pre-show notes was the player that we're excited to see. And I, I think it's really hard to pin a player to be excited, especially in a friendly against Jamaica. But, Armand, you have Tyler Boyd as the player you're excited to see? Yeah. I mean, we've seen the granny film on Instagram uh, and him taking on defenders. I want to see what he's really like. He's an unknown. He's like a – I was on a, I was on a pod yesterday, and they call him like the Kenny Saif of like this this year. Like, it's interesting. I want to see what Tyler Boyd can bring, right? He filed a one-time switch from New Zealand to the United States. He's been doing good in the Super League, the Turkish Super League. What, well, can we see more? Like, I want to see more. Is this guy going to take on defenders? Is he going to show that he's not afraid? Is he going to show that, you know, he can be a guy in the wing and maybe Pulisic can play middle instead of the wing role? Like, these are all important 
important questions. I, I want to see Tyler Boyd. I want to see him play. I've seen. We've seen the grainy images. We've seen some highlights. We've seen some guys talk about how great he's going to be after seeing two minutes of highlights. Like, let's see him play like for a twenty-minute cameo, ten-minute cameo. It's a friendly. Why not? I want to take a step back, guys. What is the excitement level against Jamaica in this friendly? Because right now, on a scale of zero to ten, I'm like a two. I'm like a five. Really? I'm not a five. I think. I, uh, why not? Like it, it, it's it's another see, another thing to see the U.S. men's national team play. Like another game, another opportunity to build our portfolio on Greg Berhalter. We kind of have like a yeah. But how much is he actually going to expose against Jamaica, knowing that the well, goal? They need, they need a trial and error and have something going right, on. Right, right. But if idea. you're Tata, or if you're a Costa Rica, or if you're somebody else, what are you going to? Expose. You don't want to, you know, sell your secrets. You want to. You don't want to get exposed and be tata sitting and going like, "Well, I already know where I'm going to attack you now." Thank you. I mean, they're going to do that regardless, though, right? Yeah, suppose like, because I mean, look, they already exposed her one little secret of having a left back push up or the right back push up and the left back tuck in. Like that's a little secret yeah, right there. It got exposed. There. Yeah, it got exposed. Anyways, Jake. Yeah, what's going on, you guys? No, for me, uh, I'm just messing with you guys. <laughs> My excitement level for this match is about a three or a four. How many I... flags do you think are going to be at this game? Oh, God. All the <laughs> flags. All the fl- Don't get me started on flags. God, I'm so sick of flags. Um, can we... Can, can we... Can... <sighs> can we talk about who I'm excited to see? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I'm excited to see Dwayne Holmes making his, from what it looks to be his first call-up to the national team. Uh, he was a midfielder at Darby County and was kind of the cogs in that uh, Darby County midfield under Frank Lampard that lost the promotion playoff final to Aston Villa. But Dwayne Holmes had a, had a very good year in the championship. He's always wanted to put on the red, white, and blue. Always identified as an American, even though he was, I believe, raised in England for most of his life. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Now, obviously I'm not really expecting he gets much playing time, maybe 10 minutes late in the game or something of that effect, but I'm definitely, I, I think he has warranted a call up more than Joe Giao or Joe Gao has. By the way, Roman Gall, why didn't he get a call up either? We had him on the pod. I don't know. That's a question you got to ask our, uh, Armand. That's a question you got to ask Greg. <laughs> get Greg on the phone. Greg, get Greg, get on, Greg the on the phone. phone. We'll ask him that. Steven. Steven, yes. who are you excited to see? Weston McKinney. Yeah, that's a big name. I want to see if he's actually progressed. And is, is he heads and shoulders above everybody else? Plays at Schalke in the German Bundesliga. Is he – are these players, the Christian Pulisic, I want to see them be head and shoulders above players. It is time that we actually see it and then we don't get a sprinkle of it or a 20-minute promo of it. I want to see Weston McKinney for how long he forever how long he plays against Jamaica if he does play from the first kick to the moment he walks off that pitch be head and shoulders above everybody else on that pitch because I don't think you can find a better player on on this roster than Weston McKinney. You, wow, you're a huge Weston McKinney stand, huh? What are you talking about? Zach Steffen is now a member of Manchester City. Yeah, he's, okay. uh, he plays for the biggest club on this list. 
Yeah, that, that's true. But I don't. I don't think you can peg a goalkeeper <laughs> better I, I'm, than, than an I'm outfielder. I know you are. That, that was a joke. I know it is. No, we're not. We're not joking. But seriously, I'm is serious. Weston McKinney the best player on this friendly roster right now? I think there is a strong case to be made. I think Michael Bradley, as much as it pains me to say this, <laughs> might also be uh might might also be the best player on this roster. I mean, what's the, kind of the, the big knock against Weston McKinney? No one knows where what his true position is. No one really knows where he's he's best suited to play. We know Michael Bradley is best suited to to play uh that number six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can, can we just can, can we just can we just talk about Tyler Miller for like one second? Yeah, because like he was drafted in the expansion draft by LAFC as kind of just like oh he's drafted you know just because I think there's reports that he wants to trade him for more stuff and now he's goalkeeper of the best team in MLS and now gets a U.S. Men's National Team call up. I mean, what a turnaround for a guy like in the span of like two years. Like what a story, right? Like backup keeper at Seattle. You know, was drafting expansion draft. Maybe you'd say, look at the LAFC roster. Maybe the goalkeeper's the weakest. He's made that spot his own and kind of dominated. And now it gets rewarded with a call-up. It's pretty great for him. So it's a great storyline. Uh, listeners, question of the day. Who has more pressure to win? U.S. women's national team or the U.S. men's national team this upcoming summer? Obviously, two different stages. One's regional. One is the greatest of them all, the World Cup. Tweet us at Pod. Give us your thoughts on that. Champions League play. I think a question a lot of us are having. Water cooler talk. Which season would you have had the city? Manchester City's treble? Or Liverpool's European domination? Fun stuff. You know the game. At Armonkify. At Jake Watroba. Go back. Listen to the World Cup preview. And come back tomorrow where we chat a little MLS. Till next time. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills of cancel early remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 20 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills of cancel early remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 20 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply.